Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the TES My Best Teacher podcast with me, Dan Worth. Today's guest is comedian and actress Doon McKeekin, best known for appearing in a huge array of shows from Smack the Pony in the Day Today to Plebs, Two Doors Down and Toast of London. She spoke to us about her school days in both London and Scotland, including how her English teacher, Mr Mackay, helped uncover her natural acting talents, how she discovered that doing comedy impressions of Basil Fawlty could help impress other pupils, she admits to some less than stellar behaviour involving biscuits and the local shop, and recalls a very surreal trip back to her former school that included a lone bagpipe player practising in the playground. All that and lots more on the latest My Best Teacher podcast from Tez. Hi, Dean. Thanks for taking part in the My Best Teacher podcast. Great to chat with you. Uh, let's start then by talking about your school days and primary school. I guess it seems like the obvious place to start. Do you recall it well? Is it sort of hazy memories? I mean, different people have different sort of recollections on this podcast thus far of primary school. What's it like for you? Yeah, primary school wasn't the best. I did feel a bit like the girl on the edge of the playground. I don't quite know why I found it quite hard to fit in with, we we lived quite a sort of wild and free life. I suppose I was, I was a bit like a kind of traveller's kid or something. I was always a bit muddy and a bit mucky. And I don't know, I just found it, I found, and we had a very bullying headmaster who absolutely terrified me. Mm. So if you were late, you had to walk up the front through all the assembly uh, to the front and be shamed by him. So you'd sit in the gym bit. I mean, feeling like you were just going to be sick because he was he was an awful man. Um, and I remember once getting out of the car and I was late and I was feeling sick and, and I didn't want to go in. I was running. And then one of the women at the at the gate said oh what's the matter darling are you do you feel ill and I thought yes yes I'm ill and so I turned around and ran back to my mum chased her car and I remember we went out that day for a Chinese meal which was like the most unbelievable thing mm. with her friend Penny it was just utter luxury so that was the day off from primary school no didn't have a great time um can't be more positive about it really uh just just a very bullying man who, who sort of reign of terror once I looked down I was wearing my slippers but you know and, and again the, the sort of horror that cre- crept over my body of the fact that there would be some kind of you know mm. punishment for that yeah okay well no sorry to hear that it doesn't doesn't sound great I, I could imagine like say if, if that was the environment that was in and you know talking to quite a few different people of different ages and different sort of settings they went to at school it's clear that but you know not everyone does have always positive memories of school which is quite understandable I think um so it doesn't sort of you know not not the first person to say some things like that which is obviously sorry to hear that though did did you go obviously when you went to secondary school did you enjoy that more was that more was there more diversity of teachers that you engaged with there or sort of made good friends or good sort of discovered things that you went on to subsequently you know do with your career at secondary school yeah, I mean, secondary school was seminal. We moved from, from Surrey to Scotland, to the middle of nowhere. Um, so I was at, suddenly at a big state school on, on the outskirts of St Andrews. Mm. And it, that, of course, was terrifying also because nobody spoke to me on the bus for about six weeks. I had an English accent. It was, it couldn't have been worse. Um, and so I used to hide in the toilets um, and I did get kind of sort of not beaten up, but sort of pushed around and pushed over and 
And then I just remember using comedy. That was the classic thing of, I made um, this girl called Anne Cameron, hope you're listening, um, laugh by doing impressions of Basil Fawlty and Sybil mm. when they were trying to, because my mum had dressed me in these hilarious uh, thermal bloomers to keep me warm because it was so freezing. You weren't allowed to wear tights. Our legs were pinched to make sure we weren't wearing tights. So, um, And they were throwing my skirt up going, let's get a look at your bloomers. And I did a kind of launched into um, Basil Fawlty and I just remember thinking, wow, that is my absolute get out of jail free card. And then luckily my English teacher, God bless his soul, who's a very good friend now, um, who was just graduated from his teaching school. Remember, he used to smoke in class, stand at a lectern and just smoke. Mm. Um, he, he encouraged me to join the drama group. And I, that was the very last thing I wanted to do is to sort of raise my head above the parapet. But I was able to play kind of the first character was was a kind of bitchy queen with an English accent in a in a Brecht play, Caucasian Chalk Circle. And I absolutely loved it, the whole experience. And so I was able to play a sort of gallery of English sort of, you know, aristocratic, snooty, horrible characters. But then I put on a Scottish accent. My, my accent slowly changed to mm. become Scottish. So he, he really set the ball rolling. And then when I left that school after O-levels, um, he, he and I sort of kept in contact and he um, became the headmaster of the school. And now he's retired. He comes and sees all the shows that I do and he's mm. a, a great friend. And that's a wonderful... He's my best teacher, obviously. Yeah. I mean, can we say it's... Yes. Do you want to say his name? Yeah, if, if, if you're happy to, yeah. Yes, his name is Colin Mackay. Mr Mackay. <laughs> he won't thank me for saying that he, he smoked. Um, but I remember his first class on Macbeth. And I remember sort of discovering Shakespeare and Lady Macbeth. And I remember he put he put... He sort of said, what's the point of literature or something on a question? I said, and I put my hand up and said something like, oh, so we can get into the heads of the characters. And that's when he said, I think you should join the drama group. It took me a few weeks to actually do it. Mm. But it totally changed. I made a great gang of friends. I no longer had to worry about, you know, they liked it when I did English because I could just play characters. So, um, so he's been down to see me in Twelfth Night at the National and, he comes and sees me when I'm filming because I film every year in Scotland a sitcom called Two Doors Down, mm. which is because of being Scottish and having had a Scottish accent, even though I don't have one now. Um, yeah, so I'm very, very grateful to him. When you, you said you said about doing impressions and that sort of helped stave off some of the sort of more negative sort of um, tension you were getting, did that just happen almost instantaneously where they thought, oh, actually, she's quite funny? Or did it sort of, did you sort of realise and then sort of play up a few more times and it helped sort of change your position in the in the pupil dynamic? I think what happened is, uh, I mean, that, that awful thing of getting on a bus and nobody speaking to you for weeks, you know, just being the little girl on your own in you know, a long bus ride. It was 11 miles through the villages of, of Fife. And finally one day, this is before, you know, a girl came and sat down next to me and offered me the butt of her cigarette, which of course I had to then smoke. Um, and she was kind of a, a sort of cool girl, bad girl, 
so I was suddenly in with all the that suddenly I was in on the bus mm. that that helped my confidence enormously and I did have to smoke and you know <laughs> but the school the actual being in school I wasn't necessarily with any of those people so I felt quite terrorized it was a big kind of modern block um and I really did sort of do a lot of hiding so this incident with um you know getting pulled out of the toilets and getting sort of roughed up the, the humor just I think it gradually dissipated I thought I got my confidence I thought I'm gonna have to tough this out mm. I can't hide from this I'm just gonna have to be a bit ballsier and then and then again I made a friend and then I went to someone's house for a sleeper you know and then it slowly I integrated yeah. myself um but you know I would never have anyone back to my house because we we were living in a ridiculous sort of old rough freezing old mansion on the in the middle of fields in the middle of nowhere and I didn't want anyone to think that I was rich mm. I mean I think at the time it was something like 35 grand and it was like a wow. like a mini stately home but it yeah. was but you know and they were all living in you know the council flats on the edge of St Andrews so um it was weird it was like a sort of weird double life but yeah. but in very interesting as well did you find once once that had been established and you had got more settled in the school and you had like some friends and so forth and found a sort of niche for yourself that that worked? Did you did school become more pleasurable after that? Did you enjoy other things, you other lessons or you know days out kind of trips? You look back thereafter with more fondness at secondary school as well. Interestingly, that first school I went to was called Kilryman, and it was a kind of feeder school to something called Madras College which was a much more beautiful kind of cloistered school in St. Andrews. Mm. So those of you, I think it was a weird sort of streaming thing that if you, you know, if you were in the top sort of streams, you would, you would go to, you'd be moved to Madras. So my test at Kilrymont was a math test, which I failed horrifically and ended up in the bottom stream for everything mm. and was so terrorised by it all, I didn't open my mouth. And then one day, I think one of the teachers realised I could speak fluent French because I'd been sent off to France to be in a, you know, when I was younger. Um, and then I wrote, there was a creative writing thing and I wrote a story that everyone got excited about. So I was moved to the other school after a year or so. Mm. And that's where I met Mr Mackay and that's where I joined the drama group and things got a lot better. Yeah. But it's interesting, we don't have that kind of, you know, it's it's pretty unfair, isn't it, really, that some of us got to go to the, you know, the sort of, the posh bit, yeah. in a way. Um, that's that's the way it was. And I went back and visited Kilrime. It had been, it's been condemned for asbestos. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I went back, I went back to visit it, and it was all, I actually walked the... The corridors, and it was, I mean, it was all, it was like a shell. And they used the outside area for, um, you know, certain games. And there was a lone guy on his bagpipes, practicing his bagpipes in the playground. It was so weird and eerie. So I remember when we would arrive at school, there'd be a thousand kids yeah. trying to pass through these doors. And I remember being utterly terrified in my first day with my mum. We were stuck in the middle of them all. And then you'd go through the doors and... Yeah, it's like a sort of riot. 
Um, it was very weird to walk the, the corridors of that school. Yeah, that does sound very strange. And did you go back like knowing that it was going to be like that when you got there, or were you just sort of driving nearby and thought, oh, I'll just pop down and see what the school looks like and discover this sort of abandoned ruin? I think what happened is they did a programme on me about my comedy roots. I think the Beeb did. I can't actually remember what it was called. It was a long time ago. And I think they they took uh, they took me to the school, but I had no idea what to expect. And the fact it was condemned, or that mm. they didn't—they didn't sort of arrange the piper to be there. Um, and then we went on to Madras, and what they'd done is they'd set up a meeting with Mr. Mackay, unbeknownst to me, mm. who had a poem that I'd written um, that in the school yearbook, all about um, you know. Uh, Animals, it was something about come away, come away into the night. It was about animals being domesticated and how we all need to be wild and get out of our suburban sitting rooms and run along the streets. And um, yeah, so nothing changes there. <laughs> it was really, and that's how I reconnected with him. And so right. that was, I think it might have been called Comedy Connections. Mm. I've, I've, I've never seen it, but um, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's that's interesting. Like I say, that's a very strange thing to experience, isn't it? Like, I mean, going back to one's former school is probably always going to be a bit odd, but to find it abandoned and a man playing the bagpipes in the playground is something else, right? I mean, that's <laughs> pretty surreal. Yeah. Yes, the stuff of dreams, isn't it? That you've yeah. gone back to your old, you're, you're retreading your old corridors where you would be like dreading going into a certain class because of you know A, B, or C. Ah, uh, <clears> yeah. The loads of wires hanging down. Obviously, everything looked much smaller than I remember, of course. The ice cream van used to come up and we would have one pence and we'd go and buy a bubbly. And that was just huge luxury. And my lunch, I remember um, when I got to Madras, I mean, it was, it was just normal school dinners. When I got to Madras, we would go out with my you know naughty mates. We would get a buttered roll and a packet of crisps. And then by 10, number six, that was our lunch. <laughs> sort of roll with crisps and a cigarette. Yeah. I talk, we interviewed Karis Matthews a few weeks back and she similarly had a lot of um, smoking-related sort of memories of school, like being on the school bus for an hour and led her to, she was so bored, she started smoking quite a lot and, and things like that. So it seems like it's not the most uncommon thing, certainly from, for, for you know, as a, as a form of, I guess, I guess it's not so common now. I expect schools do a lot more to sort of clamp down on that kind of behaviour maybe when pupils are around it. Smoke, culture around smoking has changed a lot. Yes, I hope so, because, you know, I've been a lifelong addict because of, you know, that, that mm. first butt that was passed to me. And there was a phrase, can I, can I get your nipper? Because I get the end of your fag, you know, the tar-filled um, <laughs> death stick. Can, <laughs> and that would be, you know, can I get your nipper? So you'd stand, you'd hang around by the wall. We all used to have stigmata on our hands from yeah. hiding the cigarettes from the teachers. We would be talking to the teachers. And, and, and be totally adept to waving away the smoke, holding the fags in our hands. Uh, I have been known to even crush them in our hands, you know. Um, very much part of the culture. I mean, absolutely what we all did, go to the wall, you know, go to the something. Um, I hope it's changed. There's more vaping going on at school, mm. which is a bit of a shame. But um, yeah, definitely less, less smoking. And at that time through school, did you go on any sort of memorable school trips, whether that was out day trips or trips abroad or anything like that? I think there was a trip to France where we all got horrific bed bugs and yeah. um, were cut, were absolutely like covered in the most terrible 
uh, bites. So I just have a memory of just being in, in agony of itching because we'd gone to some youth hostel that was just infested. Um, any other good trips? Is this secondary school? Um, no, nothing I can remember that was any of any decent uh, anecdotal no. thing. Okay. Sorry, I don't think it was. It was part of the. All my parents just said no, or like I never went skiing or mm. any of that. Never been skiing in my life. I know any- school trip. Do you do that? Did you have a trip? I don't remember. Yeah, we, I went on a few school trips. I went on a very good trip to um, to Paris and Brussels with the French teacher. That was very memorable. One thing I always remember about that trip is it was it was really raucous and we were all about 15 or 16. And obviously you can drink at that age in those countries. And that was probably half the reason half the people went on the trip was the fact that it was going to be very easy to get served beer. And I remember it was a raucous trip. But I remember one thing always stayed to me about that trip was we went to a war... Uh, memorial site on the way to Paris and I remember the teacher who was a very affable very nice man and he'd let us let us be raucous you know he was very happy I think he saw that as part of why we were there as well but he turned around in the minibus and he said just very very solemnly just said no this is a very important site and you mustn't behave like you've been behaving and then he, he said it in more sort of eloquent way than I'm saying it but I remember there was a real sense of suddenly of the moment we opened that minibus door everyone was really respectful and I remember we were all very moved. I remember one of the pupils who was one of the most sort of outgoing and sort of, you know, cheeky, cheeky students saying to the teacher at the end of that period of saying, thank you so much for bringing us here, sir. And it was a really lovely sort of thing of like a trip is everything like that, isn't it? It can be, it can be really. Yeah, it should be, should be, you know, humbling and really good fun as well, mm. shouldn't it? I mean, that's part of growing up. That's why I feel so sad with our kids in the pandemic, like mm. missing out on, my, my daughter's just, you know, just started a new school and has just been off it for a year and missed out on a trip and doesn't got her friendship group sorted. And yeah, I yeah. really feel for all the kids who haven't been able to have have a school trip. It can be the, some of the most memorable memories, can't it? Looking at your time at school then, I mean, you've talked about this smoking and sort of being able to hide it while talking to the teachers, but did you ever get in any wayward detentions or anything that you get caught out that you look back and think, oh yeah, that was, I had, I did transgress the line a bit there. I remember um, coming back late uh, once because I was Christmas shopping and um, I was, as I walked across towards the the Celtic block, it was called, because it was green and white, my most hideous geography teacher, a, a biology teacher, a lady who was deeply frightening. Um, because she used to like dissect animals and then just stand talking with blood dripping from her hands. She, she was like something out of a horror film, yeah. and then she'd wipe it down herself. She was literally a scary woman. Mm. She was looking out of the window, and I thought, "Oh shit!" And all the all my friends were going, "You know, you're going to get it." And I got up there, and she sent me down to the head, and to get the belt, which was um, the, the you know the strap. Yeah. The, the belt, because um, it was still in those days, because I'm quite old, it was still what was happening. So I go into her office and it's, it's, it's in a cabinet, this leather strap. But weirdly, I charmed her. Who knows whether I did impressions of Basil Fawlty or what I did. But the, it, the, it stayed in the, in the case. Yeah. Um, uh, and then there was another incident where... We all thought this was incredibly clever that with our cagoules, massive sort of cagoules, we would go, we would go shoplifting, but we would just go and get biscuits 
and we'd, we'd stick the biscuits like up our sleeves and think that we were just the most brilliant Bonnie and Clyde type of thieves. <laughs> I, I, you know, wow, you know, we got, you know, running out, we got the biscuits, we, we got the biscuits. <laughs> and then, of course, um, we didn't get caught, but we were all sitting in assembly and it's, you know, the, the headmistress says, you know, it's come to our attention that, you know, some of the girls have been shoplifting and we just got hysterical giggles. So it was obvious that it was us. I mean, they couldn't prove it, but that, that, that stopped. Yeah. Um, you know, there's always some teacher who takes against you. It's really weird. And this biology teacher just was so demeaning. She used to say things to me like, I'm at the top of the hill and you're at the bottom. And you've got a long, long way to get up to where I am. Mm. You know, just kind of really the most disempowering thing you could ever say to people that you're going to, it's going to be a rough old time for you because you, yes. And yeah. I remember dropping my fags in front of her once. A packet of, you know, 10 fell out of my pocket and she was close friends. So, so I only really had at that point one friend who I absolutely adored and was hugely important to me because I was still like trying to get my way into this, you know, a friendship group. Mm-hmm. And she went and told the girl's mum who she was a friend with and I wasn't allowed to go to her house. So it was really kind of, yeah. you know, mean, mean teacher. Um, but on the whole... Sorry, I feel like I'm opening up all kinds of old wounds and memories of, you know, bad teachers here. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Not at all. It's really interesting. I mean, it, it shows you that, you know, our, our, who, who we get as kids is, is quite seminal to, you know, what, what we are like as adults. And, when, and also being a mother of three kids and, you know, trying to help them with bullying or with victimisation or with anything like that, with empowerment for young girls. You know, it's mm. really, really... It's really, I really hope things have changed, but sadly they haven't changed that much in terms of the jungle. People, it's, it's, it's tough out there and kids have got to just, you know, my daughter would come back and go, what do I say when they say this to me on the bus? Or, and it just breaks my heart because I remember that feeling. Mm. Um, but everyone has to fight in their own sort of way, I suppose. Yeah. I remember having a conversation with a housemate in London once and we were saying that when you're a child and you're at school and things like that, you kind of assume that when you become an adult, those sort of behaviours amongst children where people are manipulative or they're rude, you and your, your fellow pupils are sort of mean to you, you kind of assume adults grow out of that and you think, oh, I won't have to deal with that with an adult. But as you're saying, it's like, it's something you have to learn that there are people in the world who are odd sometimes towards you or don't like you and you don't even know why. And it's just almost like, like you say, it's, it sounds so brutal, but for all the modern ways schools help children now and are far more you know egalitarian all these good things there is an element of it which is it's the social jungle as you say and you've just got to learn that some people just you'll rub up against them the wrong way and it's that's a hard thing to watch isn't it or deal with really really hard when it's your own kids Mm. bloody awful actually i had to pull my daughter out of a school uh because of such a bad bullying incident but i ended up moving to hastings i mean that's what Right. I finally left, yeah, left London. Um, it was, it was, that was brutal. And that was girls. So that's really tricky, you know, when it's young girls, because I, I just think, well, where have, where have they learned that behaviour from? I think the internet has been really, really explosively bad for young girls, for social media and 
bullying and I'm sure boys as well, but particularly girls and self-image and the sexualization of girls on, you know, things that can be passed around. It's just, um, you must just hand a kid a bomb and go, there you are, try, you know, off you go. Off you go, go and, you know, see what you can yeah, find. And no, absolutely. Some, sometimes it's going to explode in their faces and sadly it did with my youngest. And so we did, we moved away for a while because it was, um, so awful and then when she when she got into Brit and I remember going into the Brit school playground and literally crying with relief at the 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 mix of kids there and the sort of uh lovely nerdy look of everybody everyone was sort of in their own able to be themselves they weren't trying to conform they weren't trying to roll their skirts up they you know you're allowed you're allowed to have a piercing you're allowed to have pink hair there's no school bell there's no teacher going you've got detention so the kids have got to really man up and be independent because if they're late, they're out. Mm. That's good schooling to me. Okay, well let's let's try and move on to something maybe more um, uh, light. When, in your comedy work, of which the amount of things we could talk about is is numerous, was there anything in that that you know were you ever sort of channeling a teacher that you remembered in the way they spoke or the sort of things they said or did in any of your characters? Oh my god, of course. Many times I've been teachers. I mean, because I tend to play, I, I, you know, I, I'm working on a book at the moment and, and the chapters of kind of going down with the roles that I've played so that you've got the sort of the desperate prostitute or the, the you know, the cougar or the German air hostess, the, the feed, the nice mum, the desperate, you know, whatever. Mm. And always I, I channel, I tend to channel like two or three people when I'm working on a character, I'm thinking, well, I've got a bit of her body language and I've got her tone of voice and I'm definitely going to use her clothes. So um, teachers were the very first people I did impressions of. I mean, I began as a, a mimic. I'm nothing more than a sort of parrot, really. I just would get a voice and be able to do it. Mm. So um, that that horrible headmaster I was able to do... He looked like Blakey from On the Buses. He had a kind of sort of small Hitler moustache and was very tall and skinny. So I used to do physically impressions of him. Mm. Um, <clears throat> then we had a history teacher who used to draw on her eyebrows. Um, so, you know, I was really bad. I mean, I was such a... I must have been such a nightmare for teachers because I was just, the, you know, sort of the class count. I was a lot more confident. I'm talking yeah. more about, you know... Secondary and sixth form. Sixth form, I was, yes, a bit out of order, really. Well, I can imagine doing an impression of teachers must be a very good way of also, of, again, like being popular. Because if you can really nail the impression of a certain teacher that all the other pupils are, you know, anti. 295 likes within a, yeah, within, a, <laughs> within an assembly. Because, yeah. you've, because you've managed to just <clears throat> walk behind a teacher that everyone can see what you're doing. You know, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of clowning and, and um, piss-taking. But I do feel bad because I, I did sort of ruin certain lessons by just thinking I was so clever and funny. You know, all mm. right, shut up now, you know, get out. <laughs> Go get the strap. <laughs> and and talking about, you, you've mentioned work a few times, like Two Doors Down and things like that. Have you got anything else coming up this year during the second half of 2021 that listeners should keep an eye out for well um toast of london will, will go again in the summer so everyone's yep. very pleased about that because we thought that that was over um and then they're talking about another good omens 
yeah. uh, which is the um, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett collaboration. Um, but everything's very slow at the moment because people are scared to say, yes, this is happening. Um, so I'm just, I'm going to carry on with the book. I'm just going to keep writing. As I say, I've got this, the whole summer is uh, I'm working. And then this Netflix animation looks wonderful. It's called Jacob and the Sea Beast. Mm. And that'll be out early, I think early next year, where I play a kind of, yes, shouty queen, funny enough. Um, bossy, uh, bossy queen. Um, that's it, really. There's, it's oh, it it's like slowly coming back. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. It, it's been totally... Like I've done one job in, you know, I've done a couple of voiceovers. I've literally done one four-day job in a year. Wow. That must be tough. How bad it's been, you know. And most people are the same. They they might have done some filming, COVID filming, friend in sex education, which is obviously hugely popular. So if if the companies have got money and they've been able to pay for the insurance, but the normal, you know. The Beeb and Channel 4, they just haven't been able to afford losing mm. someone and having to pay two weeks insurance. So um, hopefully it's all slowly coming coming back into Yeah. And what the book you mentioned there, can you can you say what that is? Is or is that still under wraps at the moment? Well, it's it's it hasn't got a title yet because I, I've got some titles that I think are hilarious that they don't like. It's always like, you know, like Armageddon or Prima Duna or <laughs> which I th- I think they're brilliant. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, it's more um, it's a sort of memoir, but it's more about the roles that I've played. So it's like me doing stand up in the eighties, where how I began my career. You know, I, I was at Manchester Uni, and then I started doing stand up in London. So you know, living in Brixton and doing stand up in the eighties, and my very first TV job on a kind of terrible light entertainment show with, with Harry Enfield. And you know, just, just as an alternative comedy, it was sort of coming into the fore. But you still had Jim Davidson, Halen Pace, and you still had the old guard who knew that their kind of days were numbered, but they were trying to bring in the alternative. But they were still awful. So I had some pretty bad experiences in, in, in light entertainment. So that's a chapter that I submitted. Um, mm. As my, so we're just sort of waiting to see whether that's the book I'm going to write. I just, I never wanted to do this sort of, you know, autobiography sort of celebrity thing. I wanted to make it a bit more political and a bit more, bit more activism in it. Mm. Um, as I'm very much about campaigning against violence against women in in the stories we tell. So I, I make conscious choices not to be in, you know, what I call crime porn. Um, you know, you're not going to find me running through a forest or I won't be in a show that has violent storylines. I just think we need to tell better stories. And um, I'm very keen to keep that, but I'm not sure I want to do the whole book about that. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to be too, too niche. I still want it to be very funny. Yeah. Well, with a title, the titles like you were suggesting... That seems like you'd, you'd think, oh, this is going to be a nice light read, and then you'd get something else. So I guess that's a balance to get right, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But I don't want it to be a dry read. I don't want it to be too niche. I don't want it to just all be politics. There's got to be some, you know, you know, the, you know, your most embarrassing stories, and oh, you know, the kind of 
the thing that we all we all share, the sort of public humiliation, embarrassment about being alive and things that we've done that we wouldn't dare tell anyone. And mm. and also, you know, life's life's journey, life's you know, there's been some some horrible things that have happened to us in the last few years, and there's also been some wonderful things. So it's sort of like looking at the journey and not being exhausted by it or sort of I don't know, defeated mm. by some of the things that happen. And that, I'm really keen to sort of show people about you know the happy you know surviving in a sort of happy way. Yeah. Like trying to live trying to live life, you know, to your best without being, you know, weighted down by by experiences that have happened to you. So you end up on, you know, medication or well it certainly sounds like that from from talking about school, it sounds like school had quite you know there were some quite obviously quite quite bad things there were teachers you don't have full memories of as as much as you do have good memories about other teachers. But I guess it also sounds like through it all you learn and, and grew and, and took the positives where you could as well and that's informed a lot of what you know what you've gone on to do which seems you know if you agree with that but it, it sounds from what you've the way you've told some of the stories yeah no I mean I'm, I'm kind of glad I went to that school I mean if I hadn't gone to a sort of kind of pretty wild Scottish state school I, I mean it was, it was quite a brutal it was quite a shocking thing but actually it's informed a lot of you know what I've done you know what I've done Mm. And and I've ended up in a, a hugely popular Scottish sitcom, even though I've, I'm seen as English. Mm. So it was very funny putting on a Scottish accent, staying in character for the whole shoot, and then at the party, asking what people wanted to you know to drink, and they were like less than impressed that I was English. <laughs> so it was good good that I fooled them, but the look on their faces was like, oh, is that how you talk? <laughs> or is that? It was like, yeah, afraid. Right, this is how I talk. Sorry. <laughs> so yes, yes, we don't, we can't change the, you know, the things that happen, but we can, we can put them to, we can put them to good use in, in, in the way we live our lives, whether mm. we're writing about it or passing it on to other generations, you know. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that, I think that's a, a very nice place to to end, and I certainly, I'll throw my vote behind. I think Prima Duna sounded like an excellent book title so you can you can add, add my voice if that helps at all i don't know but <laughs> prima duna or the doomsday book that was another oh. one i think that's pretty good isn't it when there are so many of these like good book titles it seems a shame maybe you could just put all of them on as a sort of i couldn't decide which one because they're all so good i think their their brief is obviously not they don't want mem you know they don't want autobiography they want dune's experience of acting mm. or yeah you know um, to make it less obvious, it's not a celebrity kiss and tell. I, I, it would be probably be prima duna if I went to, you know, something a bit more, a um, uh, bit more money and a bit more kit, a bit more like they'd want more personal detail. So you're sort of you're weighing up how much you want to spill of yourself. Yeah. There's there's set, there's a lot of you know I've, there's a lot that I'm like I'm not on any social media. I don't even have a laptop. I'm like proper total weird Luddite because things are private. Mm. So when I'm writing autobiography, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to give juicy details, but I do want to talk about what I'm interested in. Yeah. I'm still going to push for the dunes. I'm still going to push for Prima Duna. They're all, they're they're all excellent. I think if if any of them made it and if not, then there's another book 
that has to be made with that title that you write somehow. So we'll look out for that one in, in the future. But thank you so much for chatting to us and sharing all your school memories from, from the good to the bad and everything in between. I think it's been really interesting and a great listen. Thanks, Dan. Take care.